Amen. Amen. Good morning. Amen. Yes. All right. Amen. But let uh let our parents get back. Amen. Amen. Welcome, welcome. Let me just read your scripture real quick before we start. Book of Acts, chapter 2. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all of the believers were together and they had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That is a picture of the church. Here's a quote. We can't live the full lives promised to us by Christ if we're not in regular, authentic community. We can't be who he calls us to be and says we are without the church. Let's pray. Father, we submit to you this morning. We surrender our ideas and our philosophies and our uh, even theologies, God, and we just surrender to you and we ask you to have your way to speak to us. We say, God, teach us to love what you love and to love how you love. And somebody say amen. 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 All right. If you missed missed last week, we we started God season two. I wasn't waiting for the music, but, you know, if it was there, it was there. It was good. But it's it's a walk through the New Testament. And what what we're doing is we're not going to go through every book in the New Testament, but we're going to do what we did with the Old Testament that took us a couple of months. Uh, We're going to go through, we're going to follow God's people through God's word. Amen? Say, that's a good idea, Pastor. Amen. I think it worked well. Amen. With the Old Testament. We're going to try it with the New Testament. And here's what I want you to, we're going to see and we're going to learn and discover how God's grace and mercy meets up with man's sin and rebellion and provides a covering. So as the New Testament begins, we, we, we started last week, but we were introduced to a concept that completely changes who God's people are, right? In the Old Testament, the people of God were the Israelites. Nobody else was included. No Dominicans, no Cubans, no Puerto Ricans, no Africans. It was just the Israelites, just the Hebrew, right? It was, those were God's people. Everybody else was an enemy of the people of God. 
the New Testament, something changes dramatically. And as, as we shared last week, for those of you that weren't here, the New Testament starts with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the Gospel of Matthew, the very first Gospel that's listed, starts very differently. Matthew, probably because he's speaking to the Jews, he starts with a lineage. 16 verses of genealogy. That's stuff that you guys love to read. And, and what we learned last week, if you were paying attention, is that Matthew does something totally countercultural. He included women in the genealogy. And women were not counted. Women did not, uh, did not matter in that way to these people at that time in that culture. And so he included not, not just women, but scandalous women. Amen? We talked about it last week. Some women that some of us might be embarrassed to mention are in our families. So Matthew listed all of the crazy titis that we all have in our families. Somebody say amen. amen. And, and God somehow saw it fit to include them in his family. Women like Tamar, who, who knew she had benefits coming to her and dressed like a prostitute to get them. Women like Rahab the harlot. I just like saying that. I don't know why. Who owned a brothel in Jericho. This woman owned a whorehouse in Jericho, and she's mentioned in the lineage. Uh, women like Bathsheba, whose, whose very mention brings to mind the sinfulness of David, who's supposed to be this man after God's own heart. So by including these women at the start of the New Testament, God is saying, listen, when I talk about my people, when I talk about and to my church, these women, these scandalous, fallen, troubled past, got off to a wrong start, people are included, and so are you. Yeah, that could, that's something to clap about, but you know, you don't have to get excited. That's fine. That's fine. Maybe that's not a big deal to you. Last week, we, we, we titled it, You Belong. Today, I want to say the same thing in a different way. When God talks about his people, his sons, and his daughter, his church, you're included. Somebody's happy. Amen. See, as we move forward through the New Testament, I'm, I'm excited to talk about the church. And when I talk about the church, I need you to know that you belong and that you're included. Okay? That's even, even you that came for the first time today. You belong and you're included. So the first thing we look at the step, yeah, tell, tell somebody you're included. Amen. Tell them you look good in this light too. <laughs> I like your Sunday clothes, tell them. Even if they're in jeans and a tank top, I like your Sunday clothes. Especially if they're in jeans and a tank top. So, so the first thing that we look at as we step into the New Testament, right, is, is these people that, that don't have the qualifications or the upbringing or the background or the history. They haven't done enough good to outweigh their bad. They're underdogs and outlaws, and God calls them his. What an intro into God's season two. And it's repeated all through the New Testament. The fact that the Gentiles, who, who, you know, who's the Gentile, right? We are. Non-Jews, we're Gentile. The, right? The God's people, we're the Gentiles. Just so you know who that is. You, you know, some of you look at me like, no, I'm, I'm Dominican. No, no, but that means you're a Gentile. 
Okay? Just so we make that clear. All right. So, so all through the New Testament, the fact that the Gentiles would benefit from the blessings of the new covenant, it wasn't known until the coming of Jesus. And, and Paul writes in Ephesians 3, he says it this way. He said, it has now been revealed, that's after Jesus, to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members, and fellow partakers of the promise. Come on, man. Just me and Hassan are happy about that. We are fellow heirs, fellow members, and fellow partakers of the promise. A little better. So it means we're included. So Ephesians 1 says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. Adopted, that means we're not from the family, but we're legally made his. Come on, that's beautiful. Jesus talks about being grafted in. I love the idea of being grafted in. If you know anything about gardening, which I don't, but I studied this part, right? Um, When you graft something in, you take a branch and and you split the branch, and then you take the branch that's not part of that tree. uh, It's part of another branch, part of another flower, part of another tribe, and you you put it into into the split, and you bring it there, and then you, you tie it, and then what happens is, This tree is now the source for this new branch. We've been grafted in. We're not from, we're not the Jewish people, we're not Israel, we're not, but we've been grafted in. So now this source is our source. So, so, so again, let's just make it clear. You don't have to wonder, am I counted among God's people? Do I fit in? Do I belong? Does, does God see me as his? Can I, can I read this Bible and says that they say that that's for me? Are these promises and these blessings and these warnings, are they for me? The answer is yes and amen. Yes and amen. Matthew himself, the writer of the first gospel, was a sellout and an enemy and a sinner in the eyes of the people of God. When God called them. Matthew 9, it says, Jesus saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax booth. Matthew was a tax collector. The Jews hated tax collectors, considered them sellouts because they were usually crooks working for the Romans. And so he says, follow me, he said to to Matthew. And so Matthew got up and followed him. Just a side note, when God says, follow me, the only response is get up and follow him. Because that means God has already put it in your heart to follow him. God has already drawn you to follow him. God has already made the promises and the provisions for you to follow him or he wouldn't tell you. So when he says, follow me, get up and walk. Okay, just aside, that's a side, that's a bonus message. So he got up and followed him. And as Jesus was having a meal in Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners, his friends, came and ate with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees, the religious people of the time, they saw that, they said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And then Jesus heard this and he said, those who are healthy, they don't need a physician. But those who are sick do. Go and learn what this saying means. I want mercy, not sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sick. Sinners. Jesus was saying, my mission is mercy, not merit. My mission is based on mercy, not merit. So that's the encouraging part of this message. 
None of us are disqualified. None of you have been cast aside. No one is the wrong people. None of you have been left out. That's, that's the feel good. If you needed to hear feel good today, there it is. I hope you heard it. If you're like me, with all the nonsense we hear every day, we need to hear a feel good once in a while. Amen? So, so that's the feel good. My calling was not based on my merit. It was based on his mercy. If, if you needed the feel good, that was it. A lot of people come to church just for the feel good. That's, that's the seven-minute internet clip that you people love to post the, of your favorite preachers on the internet. Now, here's the part where it's going to get quiet. And the amens will dwindle. And the attention will purposely drift off. Are you ready for some grown talk? You belong. You're included. That's the good news of the gospel. With faith, all things are possible. If you believe that God paid the price of your transgression with his son, if, if you believe that he so loved, that he gave, that like Barabbas, Jesus took your place, he traded spaces with you because of what you've been, and because of that you've been set free from the law of sin and death, amen, receive it. By faith alone, you're included. All you needed to do was believe. Okay, all you needed, you didn't have to be worthy, you didn't have to, all you needed to do was believe. By faith alone, you're included. Here's the hard part to swallow, and the part that nobody will quote. James 2.7 says, faith without works is dead. I came to ask somebody today, are you willing to put in the work, or do you just want the t-shirt? See what I meant? Quiet. <laughs> TSF Española, our, our Spanish church, they have a great slogan. And if you look around right now, you'll probably see a few people wearing the t-shirts and the hats. Hashtag Somos Familia. That's a powerful statement and I know that the church means it. I know that they're all about it. They'd make you a Boca Chica if you, were, if you wanted. <laughs> they're about it. They're about it. But some people just want the t-shirt. Some people just want to feel good. I came to tell you today that if by faith you're included in the chosen, then by faith you're included in the call. By faith you're included in the mission. By faith you're included in the ministry. By faith you're included in the church. By faith you're included when God speaks to the church. And by faith you're included in the work. The call says if we're included, then we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared in advance for us to walk in, Ephesians 2.10. So Ephesians 1 says you're chosen, Ephesians 2 says to do the work. You're chosen, you're included to do the work. James 2.14, I'm going to read James to you in the message because it just kind of it kicks your butt a little funnier. James 2.14. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? This is scripture. This is not me. And by the way, I'm not angry. <laughs> Love you. I'm glad you're here. If you're uh, here for the first time, I'm not like this angry, crazy old Cuban. I, I love God. I love his word. I love you guys. I love the church. I love the church. I can, stand on, I can stand here before God and tell you I love the church. 
Okay? So, because of that, I have to give you both sides of the coin. Amen? Okay, so, he says, do you, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if, if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about your faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance... You come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved, and you say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ and be filled with the Spirit of God. And walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Listen. Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? He goes on to say, you believe in one true God, great. Even the demons do that. (laughs) And so he gives us a powerful picture there in verse 20. He says, if we separate faith from works, we end up with two dead things. See, in order for there to be life in our walk with God, we need a faith that works. Really, I, I, I want, listen, listen. Some of you are so bored with your Christianity because it's nothing but talk. I say that in love. I love you. I love you. I'm sorry if my footprint is on the back of your shirt right now. But you're so bored with your Christianity and you walk away, you you entertain everything that the world has, all these new age beliefs, and, and you entertain the nonsense. You're so bored with your Christianity because you don't, it's all talk. You think this is your Christianity. Come in here and listening to me talk. When, when was the last time You took a step of faith and trusted God. When was the last time you took your faith for a walk? I read someone testify just this weekend um, that they thought they were getting enough money to pay something off and they they didn't get what they expected. But even though it wasn't all the money that they thought they were going to get, they felt in their heart that God told them, you better tithe from that money anyway. And so they tithed and then God paid supernaturally the other debt. See, li- li- listen, listen. To me, that's more exciting than having all the money to pay the debt yourself. Because it's a supernatural thing. That means you partnered with God on something. You trusted Him with something. He said, God, I'm going to step with you first and trust you and trust that you know that I need that too. But if, but if I partner with that, some of us partner with our problems and partner with our debt and partner with, with our, our hurt and partner with our depression and partner with our anger and partner with our... God says, partner with me. Partner with me. And we can sweep all that mess up. That's more exciting. Too many Christians think walking in faith means this, asking God to do something and waiting for Him to do it. Oh, come on. I'm going to shake you up today. That's the extent of their Christianity. And then when God doesn't do it, there's a crisis of faith. That's not Christianity. That's Aladdin. That's a Disney movie. 
God talks without God acts is outrageous nonsense. James says, Abraham was justified by works when, when he offered up his son Isaac. His faith was completed by his works. If you don't know the story, let me give you the cliff note. God told Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. And when, when he didn't even have a son yet, he said, you're going to be the father of many nations. My man is pushing a hundred. You're going to be, and, and, and your wife is going to, and she said, Mom, they laughing. My wife is 90 something years old. She never had a kid yet. She don't have kids. She can't have kids. He said, you're going to be the father. And then when the miraculous happened, they had a child, Isaac. Then God tells Abraham, take Isaac and sacrifice him on the altar to God. The very next morning, Abraham is up and he's heading to the mountain to follow through. And then, and then as they're walking, picture this, as they're walking with his son, he's saying, uh, the son, which is probably a, like a, you know, a young kid, he's saying, hey dad, I, I see the, the wood and I see the fire, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, my God will provide the lamb. And so as he, as he gets there and as he's about to do the thing that he doesn't understand, sometimes God asks us to do things that we don't understand. As he's about to do the thing that God, he's, he looks up, God stops him, and there's a ram caught by his horns in the, in, in the bush. And so Abraham sacrifices the ram in place. But God said, Abraham said, God will provide the lamb. Who was the lamb that God provided that takes away the sin of the world? Could, could it be that he would, maybe that's a word play in the, in the translation, but could it be that what Abraham saw, the lamb that Abraham saw was Jesus, who takes away the sins of the world, amen? So Abraham's faith is mentioned here because he walked it out and he trusted God. He wasn't perfect. If you read his story, he did some really bonehead things, just like we do. So Abraham's faith is mentioned here because he walked that out. He trusted God. Guess who else is mentioned here in James? Rahab the harlot. She's mentioned, I, I get like a joy inside when, when, when I see that she's mentioned here with Abraham. God really loves Rahab the harlot for some reason. She's mentioned in Hebrews alongside Abraham. She's mentioned here in James alongside Abraham. Understand, Abraham's ordeal took years of waiting and trusting and moving, not knowing how God was going to work or not knowing where God was going to send him. He waited to be a father. Then God finally gives him the child and he tells him, I sacrifice. Abraham had, had to go through some extreme faith. He was tested in the most difficult manners. All Rahab did was hide two, two spies in her whorehouse. How do we balance? How do we compare those two things? Why every time Abraham's mentioned Rahab the harlot, even by her title, she's mentioned. What could it be? I submit this to you. Could it be that all God sees is faith in action? And that it doesn't matter who it was, and it doesn't matter how big or how small, all God sees is faith in action. And that's why Abraham could be mentioned with Rahab, the harlot. Could it be is that all, all he sees is somebody walking it out? Could it be that when one of us takes baby steps in our faith, God celebrates in heaven? 
God calls Abraham and says, look, look, Jose the car thief, he just went with his family to church this morning. In a stolen car, but, but he just went, he went, could it be like, like, you know, Juan the drug dealer? Could it be Juan the drug dealer taking steps of faith? I'm going to bless this whole neighborhood with that guy. Could it be that he calls Abraham and he calls Rahab the harlot? He says, look, look. Let me use a picture that Paul uses in Corinthians because I haven't given you enough pictures yet. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Paul talks about us, the body. He says there's one body, but it has many parts. But all its many parts make up one body. It's the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one Holy Spirit, so we're formed into one body. It didn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people. There it is again. We're included. Amen. We were all given the same spirit to drink, so the body's not made up of one part. It has many parts. So the church is one body made up of many parts. Verse 18 says, God has placed each part in the body just as he wanted it to be. If all the parts were the same, how could there be a body? As it is, there are many parts but one body. So each of us has a part to play. That's what I want you to see. Each of us has a part to play. There is not one part on your body that does nothing. It's... It, it all has a part to play, amen? That means something's wrong. Entertain me for a minute or excuse me. Something's wrong when the body here at TSF, which is anywhere from 250 to 400 depending on the day or the event. But on prayer Wednesday, which is twice a month, there's like 30, 40 of us here. And that's including TSF Espanol, which is another 70 to 100 people. So both churches are here, and there's 30 or 40 of us here to pray. 30 or 40 of here to, to do the work. 30 to intercede, to stand, to keep these pillars up. These, this, this is the prayer Wednesday. You notice how there's a lot more of, of this than, than, than space. I hate this thing, but, but you, you understand what it symbolizes. It's what keeps this thing up. Something's not right when the body needs help cleaning the building. And we've been announcing it for weeks. And, and, and out of all those same numbers, we have less than 25 people doing the work this weekend. Callaito now, right? I, I'll be honest with you, we couldn't do all the work that we had planned. But even out of that small group, let me let, me let you know... I, there were four people who dedicated their entire time to dusting and cleaning every one of your 400 chairs. That's all they did the whole day. Took every single chair and dusted the bottom, cleaned the metal, cleaned the thing, dusted the top, the back, so that you can sit your butts comfortably today. Out of those 25, six of them were young people. See, when it comes to the picture of the body, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how you see it, but I, I know exactly the body that I want. Can, can I get personal with you for a minute? I know exactly the body that I want. I can, 
that would be weird if I showed you pictures of stuff, but you know, I, I know the size arms that I want. I know the size chest that I want. I know, I know, I know the strength that I want to walk around in. I know the strength that I want to exude. I, I know exactly what, you know, what I, I what I, I know exactly the kinds of things that I want to be able to do. And, and I, I can tell you honestly, I've read enough. I understand and I know enough to believe for there's people older than me that have what I want. And so I know it's possible. I can have faith that one day I can have that body. But faith without works is dead. Now, I'm not talking about salvation, so I don't want you to get this confused today. Don't get confused. Salvation and grace are free gifts of God. You can't earn them. You can't buy them. You can't work enough to get them or deserve them. Cleaning the church doesn't get you saved. Okay? So let's not... That's by faith alone through Christ alone. What the word is saying here, though, is that faith works. Faith does something. Faith is an action. So to get the body that I want to get, there are actions that I have to take. Oh boy. I like the silence. There's two basic things that I have to do. I have to watch what goes into the body. (laughs) Nourishment, right? I have to watch what goes in. Junk in, junk out. So I have to watch what goes in and every part of it has to get involved. How many of you have seen those guys that go to the gym and work two body parts? <laughs> big arms, big chest, tiny little sweatpants. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is I think too many Christians skip leg day. Let me be brutally honest with you. Being in the church is not easy. Can, can, can those that have been with me in this battle say amen? amen? I've been part of the body for 30 years. Part of this body for 15, going on 15 years. Christianity is no cakewalk. It isn't for the weak. But hear this. This might give revelation to somebody today. Hear this. You can't get stronger without resistance. You don't grow without something opposing you. You can't practice forgiveness without offense. Oh, man. Wow. Tell your neighbor. Too many people get offended and they separate themselves from the church. Or they go find the church that feels the same way they do. And we end up with churches full of the same body parts. That are stuck because they don't have what they need to move and grow. Because everyone there is the same. First assembly of elbows. <laughs> or busy bo- noses. To really learn love, you have to experience loss. The body's the perfect illustration for the Christian walk. Without resistance, you can't grow. What you don't use atrophies. You know when you break an arm and they put it in a cast? The muscles in that, in that cast, they, they, you end up with one little skinny part. 
Because they don't have any resistance to press against. We complain so much about everything that resists us, but fail to understand that without resistance, there's no gains. The biggest takeaway from this illustration is this. The only way it works is if we work it together. I want to close with one more thing. With worship team, you guys could make your way up. I hope this is helping somebody. I hope, um, I don't want you to walk away condemned and shamed, man. I want you to, I want you to, to, to I want this to be like a, a, a spiritual Red Bull, the big one. Let me close with this. Matthew 25 says, staying in Matthew, this is all kind of the the beginning, right? The first gospel. Matthew 25 says this. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a man who's going away on a journey. And he calls his servants and he entrusts his property to them. It's called the parable of the talents. I don't like to use that word because the word talent then meant something different than it means to us. So uh, a talent is a measure. So let's call it the parable of the measures. So to one he gave five measures, to another he gave two measures, and to another he gave one according to his ability. That's something really powerful principle right there. He gave them a measure according to their ability, meaning the measure that God gave, the measure that the the master gave the servant was a measure that they could handle. He gave them according to their ability. So if you know the story, the one with the five went out and doubled it and was rewarded. The one with the two doubled it and was rewarded. But the one with the one did nothing with it. He actually buried it. And now the master has come to confront them. And he's dug it up and he's returning it to him. To the one with the five, he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. To the one with the two, he said the same. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The one with the one measure who buried it, and now he's dug it up, and he's bringing it to the master, and he's coming with making a bunch of excuses. He blames the master. He says, I knew that you were a hard man, so I was afraid, and I didn't want to take any chances, so I buried it. Here it is, what you've given me. For him, it didn't go too well. I'll let you read that for yourself in Matthew 25. Suffice it to say, he lost the measure that he'd been given to him and also he lost the position that he had in the master's presence. And so I I share that to say what I've already said. Understanding that you belong and understanding that you're included also means that you're responsible. You're responsible to be faithful with the measure that's been entrusted to you. Each of us has been given a measure of faith, Romans 12, 3. 
Each of us has been given a measure of grace and giftings, Ephesians 4, 7. What are you doing with yours? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we surrender. Have your way, Jesus. Just stand to our feet this morning. Come on, church. Oh, Jesus, you're worthy as you are. Oh, yeah. This picture, I'm, I'm, this might be for one or two people here, but I saw. I saw somebody like in the in the in in the aisles there you were digging things up and and so if you've buried the measure that God has given you and you this like I said this is not for everybody this is just maybe one or two people maybe more whatever but if you've buried that measure I want you to dig it up right now and bring it bring it forward and I want you to 
to really get the picture of who, what this place is. I know you, you might have been to other churches. You might have been part of other ministries. You might have gone. So, some of you may be just coming back because you've been so wounded, so hurt by the church. Let me tell you kind of how, who we are here. We're not perfect. We're not perfect people. And we don't demand perfection from anybody. Let me give you the license. This is something, if you've worked with us in ministry here, you know. Let me give you the license to take your measure and try something even if it fails. Even if it fails. We've tried, we've tried a bunch of different things, a bunch of different ways. A lot of things have failed. And you know what? We've never kicked anybody out the church for that. Let it fail. We'll just find a better way to do it. Amen? So I just want to I just want to release you to fail. But you know what? If you leave it buried, if you sit on it, it will not do anything. And that's failing. So be encouraged, church. I don't, I don't want to, you, you know what? If, if, if you can't make it to, to, to prayer every, man, say, I'm going to come to prayer once, once a month at least. Like, do something. You know what I'm saying? If, if that's not in your schedule, don't, don't feel shameful or beat up about it. That's okay. Some of you work those nights. That's fine. But you, you know what I'm saying? Dig it out and, and let's put it to work somehow. As I, I was sitting and listening to the message, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit beginning to touch some of you. Conviction is different than condemnation. Condemnation means I hear the message and now I feel like a worthless nobody. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit will come to you and, and convince you that you can do better, that there's more, there's greater things for you. And, and I just feel the grace of God is here today for new beginnings. There's a grace of God that's touching some of your hearts and saying that this is your time to shine. This is your time to step out and be faithful. See, the story of the talents is about being faithful with that little bit. If God gave you a little money, you're faithful with the little money. If you got Sometime I'm not going to waste it all, but I'm going to use it for the Lord. If that's you today, you felt the Holy Spirit today. He was tugging at your heart. He wasn't making you feel worthless, telling you, oh, you lazy, good for nothing. But he was telling you, there's greatness in you. There's mighty works for you to do. You are great in the land, Psalm 112, and your children will be great in the land. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. There's grace on you, the grace of God to raise you up. You have been called for a time such as this. It's not an accident you live in the Bronx or in this region right now and right here, and that you're in this church. God has ordained you. He has a plan for you to work and touch many hearts 
and to put his love on display. Father, help us today, Lord God. We, we want to be faithful. Help us to be faithful in how we use our time, how we use our money, Lord God. Help us to be faithful, Lord God, in those things that you've called us to do. Help us to be faithful to show love and compassion and kindness, Lord God. Father, we thank you that Christianity is not boring. But we thank you that there's great excitement in stepping out in faith. That every day is a great adventure in you, God. So just receive right now the forgiveness of the Holy Spirit. See, when I feel convicted of the Holy Spirit, I just say, forgive me, O God. And I just feel the waters of heaven begin to cleanse me. And then I begin to feel an empowerment. Something rises up in my spirit and says, Now's the time. It's time to step out. Get out of the boat. It's time to move. So I just release that over you right now in Jesus' name. The very power of God is flowing through your life. I ordain you to do the works that God's called you to do. To touch the people God's called you to touch. Even if it's the ones you pass by every day, you want to know where to start in this? You're saying, oh, this is too big. I don't know what to do. Love the one that God puts in front of you, the one you encounter. Whoever's in front of you right now say, I'm going to start with you. How can I serve you? How can I help you? So, Father, we thank you for a company of mighty men and women who will, a mighty army rising up out of the bronze, who will do great and mighty works in your name. Amen. Storm. 
Father, we thank you, Lord. You are worthy in this place. Father, continue to have your way, Father. You have made a way for us, oh God. Father, stir us, stir us to greatness, oh God. Father, just that place, Father, that place, Father, where we have settled, Father, where we have become inactive, oh God. Maybe complacent, Father. Father, maybe, maybe it's just been a long time since we trusted you, oh God. Father, stir us up right now, oh God. Father, your words bring life, oh God. And I believe that the words that were spoken here today has awakened us, oh God. Awaken these dry bones, oh God. That's what you do, oh God. Church, you are alive. God's church is alive and breathing and it's moving. So I want to release you today with a new commission. And that's just to be a blessing, man. Because you are blessed. So continue to be a blessing. Have a wonderful week. Come on, stir yourself up to action. God bless you.